InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. One in five adults, that's 40 million Americans, will experience mental illness each year. And today, most people with serious mental illness receive insufficient care, according to our next guest. He's Kenneth Rosenberg, a medical doctor, distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell Medical Center. And he's the author of Bedlam, an intimate journey into America's mental health crisis. Dr. Rosenberg, at one time, those with serious mental illness in America often received care in state mental hospitals, but that's no longer the case. Why did things change? Well, it's said that we deinstitutionalized people, that we took them out of the asylums through the process called deinstitutionalization for good reason. The asylums were dreadful. They deserved to be torn down. People did not deserve to be medicated in places that were so terrible. But in fact, what we've done is trans-institutionalized people. We've taken them from the asylums. We've put them in the streets. We've put them in the jails and the prisons. We've put them from one bad institution to, I would say, the worst institution. Because the jails and the prisons are not built and they don't have the personnel to deal with people who have serious mental illness. And law enforcement has been strapped with this problem, burdened with this problem. And as a society, we've said, that's okay with us. And of course, we're saying, that's not okay with us. And we demand a change. You have your own story of how the system failed your sister, and I wondered if you could briefly share that with us. Sure. My wonderful, beautiful, kind sister, who is my first best friend, Meryl developed schizophrenia when I was 14 and she was 21, and that's the age that these serious mental illnesses, you know, occur when people are just beginning their adult life. And Meryl was one of the millions and millions of people who came down with the illness. I was 14 years old, watched her deteriorate from someone who had problems to someone who really could not function and could not function for the rest of her life. And she passed away at the age of 55. The autopsy said a heart attack, maybe breast cancer lesion. But what she really died from, in my opinion, is serious mental illness. And she, like many people with serious mental illness, could not accept her problem, denied it. There's something called asignosia, which means you don't really realize you have an illness. Part of the psychotic process is that it hijacks part of the brain that enables you to understand that you have an illness. And Meryl was no exception to that rule. And she died younger than she should have because people with serious mental illness die 28 years earlier than the rest of the population from various causes. But that's why I became a psychiatrist, and that's why I wrote this book and made this film that will be on 2020. We're talking with Dr. Kenneth Rosenberg, who is author of Bedlam, An Intimate Journey into America's Mental Health Crisis. Doctor, how can we begin to decriminalize mental illness and get these people the treatment they need? Well, there are many steps we could take, and we have made some progress. Since 2010, we've had a parity act, which says the insurance companies should pay for people with mental illness on par with people with medical illness. That doesn't mean they do it, but it means that we now can demand that they do that. Now we need laws change, we need medical research more than anything. But the most important thing is to have this conversation that we're having here today, the conversation that says, Mental illness is not a crime. Mental illness is not a shame. Mental illness is a disease. And like any other disease, it warrants treatment and compassionate treatment in the right place, at the right time, with the right medical treatment. 
So, for instance, the medications. Medications we use for many diseases, HIV, breast cancer, or just a few years old. And those are very, very hard diseases to have. But they're more manageable because we've made advances in medical science. Medications we use for psychiatry are very good too, but they're 70, 70 years old, some of them. The gold standard for treating bipolar disorder, lithium, developed in 1949. That really should be the case. We have medical science, we have great advances in our understanding of the brain, of the mind, of the body. We should translate those to something useful for people with serious mental illness. But the first step and most critical step is to have a national conversation and we make it a national priority. Percentage-wise of the population, are there more mentally ill people today than in the past? Or is the number decreased? Where are we in that number? It's a great question and an impossible question to answer. There are experts who believe that with industrialized society, we've increased people with serious mental illness for various reasons, anything from infection to poverty. There are other people, and I would include myself in this category, who say, you know, we just did diagnose it earlier. But whether it's increasing or not, it really is a serious problem. Now that we are aware of the problem as a profession, psychiatrists, as medical doctors, now that we're aware of the problem, when we look at the problem squarely, we see that the burden of mental illness probably exceeds the burden of cancer, cardiac disease, all non-communicable diseases combined. It affects one in four of one in five families. Substance abuse, which isn't even included in the category of serious mental illness, affects 15 to 20 percent of the population at some time in their lives. 50% of us need some psychiatric care at some point in our lives. This is not someone else's problem. This is our problem. If you could wave a magic wand, and you already mentioned more drug research, what could change that would really make a dramatic difference quickly with the mentally ill? Well, we have to move people out of the jails, divert them from the jails into treatment centers. That's a big task. But we now have diversionary methods, so then when someone who has a mental illness comes in front of a judge, the judge says, you know, you don't need incarceration, you need treatment. Now, that's just happening. There are steps called mental health courts, something else called assisted outpatient treatment. We're just beginning to be judges express what's called therapeutic jurisprudence, where they use the bench to help people as a force for good and a force for diverting people from jails and prisons into treatment. That's a great step, but then you have to provide the treatment for them, right? You can't just say, we're going to send you the treatment. Then you have to find the treatment center that's built and that provides treatment for them. So if I could wave a magic wand, I would say that we all have to have this conversation, but probably no one more than people in law enforcement. And we need to train the judges who are, unfortunately, in the position of sending people to jail and prison, that there are options for sending them to treatment. And I would say, if I could wave a magic wand, we need to have research into serious mental illness that's commensurate with the magnitude of the problem. We have a lot of research for cancer, deservedly so. A lot of research for infectious disease, deservedly so. But not really the basic science research for psychiatry that we need and that we deserve as a nation. The book is Bedlam, An Intimate Journey into America's Mental Health Crisis. The author, Dr. Kenneth Rosenberg, His website is drkenrosenberg.com. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. Privilege. Thank you. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. 
a production of Syndication Networks.